This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly, the biggest night in recent memory for Rangers, ruined by a Ramsey penalty miss. Will they look back on this as an opportunity wasted or an amazing achievement to get this far? And what about Frankfurt? Five of the best penalties you'll see in a shootout. Was this a result of Oliver Glasner micromanaging his players better than Van Bronckhurst or did they just wallop them into the corner? Quite a bad 90 minutes, a torrid period of extra time, but how big is this for Frankfurt? We'll now be in pot one for the Champions League group stages next season. Elsewhere, Liverpool's second-string side of total nobodies beats Southampton to ensure the Premier League will be decided on the final day. Plus, Nottingham Forest rely on penalties and goalkeeping heroics to progress to the Championship playoff final. There's a Premier League preview, emails about teeth, your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendening, welcome. Hello, Max. Uh, Hello, Katie Shannon. Hi, Max. Uh, and joining us for part one, uh, live from uh, Seville Airport, Archie Rintup. Welcome, Archie. Hi, Max. Uh, sounding a little bit quieter <laughs> than you did on the television uh, last night, Archie. Uh, and uh, uh, live from uh, Glasgow, Colin McMillan, um, who joined us last time uh, and spoke so well about Rangers getting to the Europa League final. Uh, sadly, one step too far. Hey, Colin, how are you doing? Hi, Max. Yeah, I, I would say I'm good, but I'm not. But yeah. yeah. Well, let's start with you, Colin. I mean, commiserations, mate. How? Uh, I mean, I have experienced losing penalty shootouts uh, <laughs> as an England fan, uh, amongst others. How how was that for you? It wasn't great. Um, I'll be honest. It's, it's penalty shootouts. We've not got a, a massive amount of experience in. Um, we've obviously got to the match final in Manchester in 2008, beating Fiorentina on penalties but other than that we've not had a lot of high profile penalty shoots certainly nothing like that last night and um, it wasn't very enjoyable I understand what it's like for you guys at international tournaments now um, because that was was not enjoyable at all um, it wasn't a great game of football I think we played quite within ourselves at times I think the occasion maybe got to some of the players and we, we I don't think we realised just how technically good Frankfurt were um, on the night. They were, I thought they played very well and they stopped us playing a lot. Um, but I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of what we did. I'm proud that we got there. And I think in a couple of days' time, when I've got a chance to process it properly, that is that will be the overwhelming feeling of pride and um, real, real pride at these players for doing what they did and getting to there. Because like I said, when I was on a couple of weeks ago, 
these tournaments aren't set up for teams like Rangers to get to finals. It's not expected. It shouldn't happen. And the fact that the club did so well and made us dream and made us think for a time last night that we were actually going to win is a massive, massive thing. Colin, this is going to sound harsh when I say this, but but like I I know what it's like to be gallant loser, and you know Barry knows what it's like to, when England lost in the final of the Euros and in the semi final of the World Cup, and the difficulty is it's it's sort of it's almost once in a generation, not quite, but that's the thing is it to be that close and that close to pot one in the Champions League and all the money and all of that, it's just so difficult. It's massively difficult, yeah, especially because like, we, we did a preview show on our podcast uh, this week where every single podder predicted Rangers to win. That was the that was the, the mindset we were all in. We were all confident. We all thought we were going to do it. We thought this was our our best of our chance to, to lift a tournament, lift a, lift a trophy like this. So that makes it even harder. The fact that we got through the 120 minutes, the fact that we were leading at one point as well, and then to lose it on penalties, it is, is grasped, just taken from your grasp at the last minute and it is hard to take. It's, it's a tough one. Meanwhile, Archie, we were working together last night and you're not a Frankfurt fan, but you were kicking every ball for them, weren't you? I, it's difficult not to when I know so many Frankfurt fans and what this means in the wider, uh, in the wider context for German football to not want this Frankfurt side to get over the line because of, of what I've spoken about with you before, of, of what this means for fan ownership, 50 plus one, and how important that it is. So yes, uh, I, was, I was happy when they won, as, as I think you saw. Um, but also, I, it's difficult not to feel sorry for Rangers and, and their fans who, in the second half in particular, they upped their game. In the first half, I thought they were outsung a bit by the Frankfurt fans. But once, once they scored, that atmosphere in, on the left-hand side of the stadium was unbelievable. And yeah, I think the moment that will really stick in the throat for Rangers fans was two minutes from the end of extra time when Ryan Kent has that chance. But he met he met a man who felt he had a date with destiny uh, in Kevin Trapp, who has been putting in heroic performance after heroic performance for Eintracht Frankfurt this season. He had a dark moment a few years ago when away at Barcelona, he was on the end of that comeback from them in a Paris Saint-Germain shirt. And now he came back to Frankfurt he lost in the Europa League semi-finals on penalties to Chelsea in 2019. And then he comes up trumps against Aaron Ramsey. The guy, the guy is going to have a statue of him at some point in Frankfurt. I'm pretty confident of that much. And it's going to be a pretty good looking statue as well, let's be honest. Um, like The guy uh, was, has already been on the front of Men's Health magazine uh, in, in Germany. Uh, but here's the thing. I read that article because it, it, it was in my hairdressers, full disclosure. In that article, not once was Eintracht Frankfurt mentioned. Eintracht Frankfurt has not been sexy enough to be mentioned in the same breath as Kevin Trapp. But results like this, evenings like this, that will change now. There is recognition for Eintracht Frankfurt on the European stage, and it shows you how big an achievement it is. They're going to be playing against Liverpool or Real Madrid in August. That, as if all of this Champions League stuff wasn't enough. 
before Max mentions it, can I just point out that he has also been on the cover of Men's Health? <laughs> <laughs> Although, to be fair, in what Barry, capacity? Well, uh, it was the six pack in six week challenge. Uh, me, Dan Walker, Chris Kamara, Ben Shepard. I mean, it wasn't Ben Shepard already had one. <laughs> But I did it. And I, I did look like I had some sort of degenerative disease. I mean, all six were there, but I was basically wasting away. But if you want one, and uh, I don't want one ever again, replace everything you like eating with one cashew nut, and then you'll be fine. When you mentioned that Ryan Kent chance, Colin's eyes glazed over in that way that we discussed Mikel Arteta's just looking into the distance, thinking, ah, oh. and Katie, it was uh, that was such a big moment in that match, wasn't it? It was such a huge moment and I really feel for everyone in the stadium at that time because we knew, we were like, look, he's, he's five yards out, he's got to put it in. But fair play to him for actually charging the length of the pitch and getting in the right position in, in, that, in that late, late stage of the game. But ultimately that would have won it for them, really. But I've got to come back to a point that Archie was making about Aaron Ramsey's miss because I really feel for him. He's only been on the pitch for three minutes. He barely played. We've seen this happen before and I'm just surprised that we haven't learned from it. Euros final, same happened with Rashford, Saka and Sancho. Also same has happened with Mark Noble. Remember when he came on as a sub against Manchester United and also missed. Whereas Frankfurt, I noticed that they brought on two subs, but they both had 15 minutes and 20 minutes for the match and they took the first and second penalty and both scored. So I think it's really unfair for Aaron Ramsey to kind of be put in that situation, I personally think. And I don't think it's fair for a player. Yes, they may have put their hands up and they've gone through the list and they know what's going to happen in the penalty shootout. But for a, a game of that magnitude, he mentally wouldn't have been in the same place as the rest of the players that are, are already at that level. They're fully warmed up. They're ready to go. And it's really going to affect Ramsey's confidence going forward. I can't imagine what he was thinking when he went to bed last night and to think he might actually have to do it again in the coming months if Wales take either Scotland or Ukraine to penalties in the World Cup playoff final he might be put in that position again so I really went to bed thinking for Aaron Ramsey last night he's on loan at Rangers and it's just yeah it's just devastating for him and it's hard a hard one to come back from yeah, as our mate Ellis James tweeted, I'd love to know why Ramsey hasn't come on. He's made for games like this. That, is a, a <laughs> that, that hasn't aged well, Ellis. Um, Barry, what did you make of of the whole affair? I mean, the atmosphere was was great, wasn't it? I know that we'll talk about some of the fans misbehaving. Generally, the fan behaviour is pretty, pretty good. Fans together enjoying themselves. It, it was sort of what you want the Europa League final to be, really. Yeah, um, I, I must confess I was surprised by how well-behaved most of the fans seemed to be. I did see one clip of what looked like Frankfurt fans attacking Rangers fans, and there was sort of posturing and a bit of half-hearted chair-throwing, and that seemed to be about the size of it. Colin sent a wonderful picture to the WhatsApp group <laughs> of... The most sunburnt man I've ever seen. I, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with him because that kid is not going to be able to walk today. He, oh mate, God. I've experienced bad sunburn on, on the legs. And let me tell you, his legs, even through to December, are going to be looking like candy sticks if my experience is anything to go by. I, that guy, I, I shudder thinking about it's a level of pink that I didn't think was possible. 
No, no. Actually, Andy Brassel was on, on doing the show with us. He said he thought he was wearing salmon chinos when you <laughs> the photo. Colin, what was Colin? What was the um, you know like from your your mates who did make it out there and did get tickets? What, what did they say about about the trip? They they all seem to have loved it. I think they all struggled quite a bit with the thirty five degree heat. Um, not to the extent of the aforementioned salmon legged man, but they they thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think they really love the city, beautiful city, really good atmosphere. Apart from one little instant quite late on on Tuesday night with some Frankfurt fans, it does seem to have passed without incident. Um, a little bit of complaints, I think, last night at the stadium. I think there were some issues last night with kiosks and getting water for people um, last night, which was a pretty poor show given it's a showcase stadium, that sort of heat. People were being given plastic cups and just told to go to the bathrooms and fill them up at one point, which isn't ideal. Um, but other than that, no, the guys have had a great time. There was, a, I think, the extra time the penalties caused a few issues with some late transport for guys getting home last night. Two of the boys missed their bus to get back to Faro and ended up getting a, an Uber. Um, but that's just part and parcel of these nights, isn't it? And what you do to get home. So, now just going back to the, the the question you asked me, I got slightly sidetracked. I mean, it wasn't a very good game, was it? But picked up in in extra time, I suppose. The the Ryan Kent opportunity, brilliant save. By, by trap and yeah I mean Casey says she feels sorry for Aaron Ramsey I, I kind of think that's why you're there Aaron you're on the big bucks and uh, you should have scored that and I, I know Ellis will not hear a bad word said about Aaron Ramsey a man he loves more than any other human being in the world including his partner Issy and his children uh, but I yeah you, you got to be scoring that Aaron but I mean, isn't that the point of penalty? You know, Roberto Baggio missed in the you know, like like good players miss penalties. Yes, yeah. that sort of. Well, I I just don't I don't I don't think he's, you know, it happens. Players miss, but I think uh, a man of his experience and and talent should should be scoring. So I I don't particularly feel sorry for him, but. Um, yeah, I think I just think he should have been given a bit more game time. Say ten minutes, a bit more time than three minutes. I think does make a big difference towards the end of the game. You can just fully get a bit more warmed up, and that's what happened with the Frankfurt players. They had fifteen, twenty minutes, and they both scored. So, had he been given a bit more time, would he have put it in? We, well, I suppose we we won't we won't know. I was just quite interested to see what you guys thought of Calvin Bassey oh last night. Oh, my God. Um, oh, oh, my God. Because he's a guy who has improved so much over the last 18 months. And we move him from left back to centre back. And no matter where you put him, he does tremendous. The duels that he won last night, his recovery pace just gets better and better and better. And obviously a big thing of last night is us not qualifying for the Champions League and not getting that, that windfall. But I've got a feeling after last night we might get that windfall in the form of somebody coming in and buying Calvin Bassey, sadly. I thought, like... A bit like that Leicester player from a, a couple of years ago, Vasilevsky. He looked like you didn't have enough t- players and you just got a rugby player to fill in. <laughs> and then as the game went on, I was like, God, this guy's good. And you're right. When he did that Cruyff turn and he slipped and he managed in extra time when everybody was knackered. I mean, everybody there was knackered. The crowd, you know, like this guy, Delphi writes, you know, has there been anything more severe than the beard dip felt by Rangers fans at that European finals in the second of extra time? But everyone was knackered. I thought Bassi's recovery for that was was so good. And also, Colin, it's worth mentioning Alan McGregor, who had a really good game as well. And, you know, what he's the, the third oldest player to ever play in a, a European final, I think, after Dino Zoff and Edwin van der Sar. 
Yeah, I think that was what his 103rd European appearance for us last night and that's probably his last match. I don't think he'll play again for Rangers now. I think he'll go in the summer and we'll probably go with um, John McLaughlin in the, in the cup final at the weekend. So it was written in the stars really for him to get a penalty save last night and win it for us. But sadly, football's not written in stars and it didn't happen. But yeah, but massive shout to Alan McGregor for what he's done for this club over the last 20 years. And what next for Rangers? got to pick ourselves up and we've got to go to Hamden on Saturday and beat Hearts and pick up the Scottish Cup which is going to be a, a massively different day to what, what it was at 60 minutes last night um, it's going to be difficult for the players it's going to be difficult for the fans but the best way to bounce back from something of like this is by picking up a silver thing and pointing it at the fans and um, hopefully that's what we do on Saturday We I was going to say we end the season on a high it won't be a high after last night but it'll be a start to getting back to a high and it'll cheer the fans up a little bit it's been a long time since we won a domestic cup and uh, we're due one so that's what we do first because that's what this club's all about is winning picking yourselves up and winning something else and hopefully that starts on Saturday Meanwhile Archie for Frankfurt you know pot one in the Champions League trophy one and first one what since 1972 in Europe um, and pot one in the Champions League all that money it's sort of game changing for them is it? It is first they've got to do a lot of celebrating though uh, I, I got a whiff of that in the press conference last night when they all came in and soaked uh, Kevin Trapp and Oliver Glasner in, in beer. And you, you sadly smelt it for the rest of the press conference because they absolutely hammered the ceiling with it. Um, so that, that was unpleasant. But they will all go back now to the City Hall in Frankfurt, the Römer, where they had to actually move nine weddings that were scheduled there. And they invited all those people involved in the weddings to celebrate with them if they won. So that will go ahead. But yeah, hundreds of thousands of people will be pouring out in Frankfurt to celebrate what is what their president's called the greatest night in their history. He, Interestingly enough, Max, he, he said to the players to, to motivate them, uh, a European Cup win is a thousand times better than sex because because this because this trophy... It's, it's only there to win very, very, um, um, what's the opposite of often? Rarely. 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 That's the word. Rarely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Kevin Trapp commented on this being like, I'm not sure if this statement about, about the cup is being, being better than sex is, is correct. The cup is great and sex is too. <laughs> So, <laughs> oh, it's, it's the ultimate. Why can't we just enjoy both? Is, is what he, he's, he's saying. Um, Katie, just I mean, I don't know how you generally feel about the Europa League, and I, I thought it was in a, in a sense it was great that it wasn't two sides that had dropped down from the Champions League. But like we can be quite sniffy about it, you know, Thursday night that kind of stuff. Can't be bothered to watch football on a Thursday, and I just wonder if you know, looking at that atmosphere and what it meant to both sets of fans. You know, and and looking at sort of how glum Colin currently is, and what it meant to, to to him, that we should actually sort of reappraise how we feel about the the competition. I think it was a really good night and a massive night in Rangers' 150 year history. Their successful run in this Europa League campaign has certainly not only shone a light on Rangers and Scottish football, but also, like you say, Max, the competition. And with also Scotland about to face Ukraine in their World Cup playoff semi final, I think it's. It's a really, really good time for Scottish, Scottish football at the moment. I know, obviously, they didn't go on to win it, but it was certainly a togetherness and the coverage, you know, and the build-up of all of yesterday. It was on all of the TV stations, radio stations. 
And I really felt as though there was a unity towards Scottish football and them trying to go and do do it, do it last night. But um, I think it's just a fantastic journey that Rangers have been on, bearing in mind they were in went into liquidation, what, 10 years ago, and then they reached the Europa League final. I think, yes, sometimes we can be snooty towards the competition like we've seen with Arsenal potentially gifting Tottenham top four and it's like, oh, Arsenal going to get Europa League Thursday, Sunday. How's, how's that going to affect the schedule? And also it's interesting hearing managers say how different it is playing on a Thursday and a Sunday, even though, you know, Wednesday and Saturday isn't too much difference. They talk about, you know, the build up and how everything's just about out of sync. But ultimately, I think last night was a great advert for the competition. And I also want to speak about Giovanni van Bronckhurst, I think he's done an unbelievable job this season. And it's not easy replacing Steven Gerrard after he guided them to the league title for the first time in 10 years. They'll All of them will be hurting, especially uh, Giovanni van Bronckhurst as a former Rangers player himself. Great manager and it looked so calm throughout the whole of last night, I thought, on such a historic night. But yeah, I thought it was a great advert for Scottish football and also the competition. So I'm actually looking forward to it more next season um especially after last night um colin did, did you did you feel a sense of unity from from sort of scottish football um sort of celtic aside i mean gav said not so much a question i feel it should be pointed out on the pod tomorrow that the majority of scottish football fans are delighted with that result so generally how, how did you sense it uh, it's it's a difficult one in this country we're a bit of a basket case for a place aren't we um there was there was actually quite a few sensible celtic fans that got in touch with me yesterday some friends and some people i know that actually did wish as well and did want us to win but i would say the vast majority didn't i am to be to give you the best indicator of what this is all about at full time last night um, i was sat with my mate jack and my dad in my house absolutely gutted and the house across the street started setting off fireworks <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so we, we can talk about unity we can talk about what's uh, good for Scottish football we can talk about all being in for European success but the reality of it is green fireworks at 11 o'clock yeah. at night I mean yeah. I didn't expect I didn't expect Celtic fans to want you to win but I just wondered if you know Aberdeen or Stranraer or St Mirren or Falkirk fans would, would, would want you to win or would care either way um, oh, there's so few of them to ask um, I don't know Um I think they certainly did. I think over the last couple of years, especially the runs that we've had on this first, these first nights in this competition, has done wonders for the coefficient. And Hearts, for example, are going to massively benefit from that because they've now just one qualifying round away from the group stages of Europa next season. So I think the sensible ones do appreciate what's happened from a coefficient point of view, and they'll enjoy the benefits of it. Whether they would actually enjoy the joy of Rangers winning it, that's that's debatable. But I think if you look at the bigger picture, then they've got to see the benefit of potentially two Scottish clubs in the Champions League, the exposure that gives to the competition, to the country and to the players we can attract and stuff like that. But there is still a lot of work to be done before we're all in the one dim sheet. Lorraine Kelly wanted uh, wanted everyone in Scotland to support Rangers, if, if I remember a question that we had in, right? Yes, Paul said, do you think Lorraine Kelly's tweet saying everyone from Scotland should get behind Rangers will end sectarianism? Didn't um, Boris Johnson do a special message for Rangers in a, in a state of affairs which suggests he will now also have to do one for Liverpool, which I'm sure will go down very well on Merseyside? Uh, he spoke with all the confidence of a man that's never watched a game of football in his life when he spoke about it, but yeah, it didn't help. Can I ask Archie a couple of things? One about the heat, um, because I think that does affect football matches more than we perhaps 
consider and two about you know the the atmosphere because we did see some scenes as as Barry said you know people chucking garden furniture around that sort of hooling element of Frankfurt we've talked about before um let's start with the heat and move on to that one so yes as, as you can see by my skin I'm, I'm a little bit worse for wear and I was wearing factor 50 throughout yesterday um but you know it was oppressively hot and you could feel it in how flat the Frankfurt fans were on the street after as well they just so knackered from the whole occasion and I saw Frankfurt fans who were bathing in uh, some of the fountains at, at their fan meet uh a, a lot of a lot of topless Rangers fans in particular as as well. So, yeah, it was difficult to deal with, and, and you felt it with the intensity of the game as well. Uh, I think that there, there's a reason, partly why uh, both sides were not going for it uh, in the same way that they might have done in slightly less uh, in, in slightly cooler temperatures, for example. The fans, everything I saw, Max. From, from my experiences in, in the hostel uh, and from what I saw on the streets were two sets of fans who had a lot of respect for each other, high-fiving each other in the street, wishing each other the best, drinking with each other. And it's a shame that this hooligan element of the Frankfurt support who don't even go to games, like they're there for trouble. Um, from, from what I know, uh, that they're the ones who are making headlines but I think there needs to be a much greater emphasis placed on I think the friendship and the yeah the, the way that both sets of fans behave towards each other and, and to be honest that for me is football that is how the majority of the time it does go down between fans I met uh, I met a, a Frankfurt fan who was a little bit hungover I'd say he was in his 50s in my hostel the next morning and he'd been out he was like oh I was out till three last night those Rangers fans, they know how to drink. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, it's those memories I'll take away. And also outside the stadium last night, there was a Rangers fan who was looking up at the stadium outside and thinking, yeah, well, you could tell what he's thinking, like, why wasn't it our night? And he saw two Frankfurt fans come over to him or come over in his direction. And he just went up to them and was like, oh, guys, congratulations. Do you want a photo of you two outside the stadium? It's like, it's these small little bits of humanity that, you know, that's not going to make a headline, is it? Because one, one person is nice to another person. That's, that doesn't qualify as news. But there were many moments of kindness that I heard of as well aside from that. And I think that that's where I'd, I, I'd want to, to highlight or what I'd want to highlight from my experience of, of what I saw in Seville. Perfect. Uh, Archie, we'll let you get your flight. Um, thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, and Colin, uh, commiserations again. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks. A pleasure, Max. Cheers, folks. Uh, Colin McMillan there from the Heart and Hand podcast. Archie, we're in touch. And we'll be back. Uh, me, Katie and Baz will be back uh, with part two, where we'll talk about Liverpool's win at Southampton. I'm Grace Dent and I am back for third helpings of comfort eating from The Guardian. Join me and more celebrity guests like Big Zoo, James May and self-esteem as we throw the cupboard doors wide open on the comfort foods that have seen them through. This is a niche sexual thing for people. Uh, uh, Northern women <laughs> eating carbohydrates. <laughs> 
Comfort Eating returns on the 17th of May with new episodes released every Tuesday. Comfort Eating with Grace Dent is supported by Ocado. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Buy tickets to see us, please, for the live show, um, especially if you're in Birmingham. Uh, Hayden says, hello, Max and co. Listener from the southeastern US here with some confusion about recent emails from other Americans inquiring on when you will all make your American tour debut. I'm beginning to think these people are not actually listening to the podcast because you've repeatedly mentioned difficulty selling out the Birmingham date. It's certainly an interesting destination choice on your part, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing you all in Alabama next month. <laughs> yeah, we will be there. Don't you worry. Uh, Monday the 13th of June, me, Baz Wilson, John Bruin, Birmingham on the 15th, me, Baz, Jordan Jarrett Bryan and John Bruin, Manchester on the 19th of June, Lars Sivitson and Philippe Claire. I believe both Dublin dates um, with me, Baz, Lars and Mark Langdon are sold out. Then the Hackney Empire on the 8th of July with Troy Townsend, Jonathan Wilson, Nicky Bandini, me and Baz. The 9th of July with me, Baz, Ellis James, Barney Ronay, Sid Lowe. And then in Glasgow on the 13th, Filippo Clare and Jonathan Wilson. Uh, go to my Twitter or go to myticket.co.uk. Let's go to St Mary's. Southampton 1, Liverpool 2. Uh, Jürgen Klopp made nine changes, Katie, f- for this game um he said uh, being able to rotate these players was like having ferraris in the garage were you surprised that he made that that many changes i thought it was quite a risk yeah to make nine changes uh, from the fa cup final and he said that he this team might not have the same rhythm which i can understand but he wanted to maintain the intensity of the high press which gave an insight into how much he demands from his players but also the intensity he wants to continue but also just put on a show as to the squad depth that Liverpool have compared to, you know, other teams in the league. So testament to him and hat tip to Klopp because he's managing to keep this whole squad in peak condition throughout the season. So fair play. Do you think there's any part of him that's kind of thinking basically the league's gone and it's all about the Champions League final? I think so. And ultimately you've got to rest Salah, Mane, uh, Virgil van Dijk and Alexander-Arnold to the end of the season. Um, I was at Arsenal yesterday and they've got a number of hamstring injuries and it's just fatigue towards the end of the season. I bet the players are just desperate to have a bit of a break. Um, it feels as though we're watching Premier League games every night at the moment. So I think ultimately you'd rather rest them for a game against Southampton than one of them pick up a knock and then they can't play in the Champions League final. So I think it was a big call. Nine was probably more than I was expecting, maybe six I would expect, but 
yeah, a big call, but fair play, it, it, it worked, and you know they, they got the win they deserved. Um, Barry, do, do we do we want to have the is Minamino a good player conversation again? More goals and assists than Jack Grealish this season. Is that a fact? Right, I didn't know that. Um... Hmm. Neither did I. Producer Joel put it in. So let me know if it's wrong. It's not my fault. Yeah, well, I suppose Jack Reese hasn't had a particularly good season, but he has played quite a bit more often than Minamino. He's a good player. We we know that there aren't too many bad players in the Liverpool squad. Even the fringe players are good, as they proved the other night. I think you're quite right in your assessment that Jurgen Klopp probably thinks the league is a busted flush, but. I reckon quite a few of the players he, he left out would have wanted to play. Mo Salah will have wanted to play that game. He wanted to score goals because the the race for the golden boot between him and Young Min Son is so tight. I think there's only a goal in it. it. It was a job done by Liverpool. They were completely in control throughout. Um, uh, Producer Joel has written in red, all competitions in parentheses before anyone... <laughs> comes for him. Um, Joel Matip with possibly the slowest header of all time. Um, and Simicas, interestingly, the first Greek to set a, up a goal at Southampton in Premier League history. I don't know if that's true, but I'm just hoping Socrates did it before. Um, and, uh, you know, decent finish from Nathan Redmond, took a deflection. I just wonder if that's what Pep was... When Pep yelled at him about three years ago, maybe that's, you know, when he took him after the game and just started really yelling at Nathan Remy, saying, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that, Pep? Maybe it was just saying, in three years, you might be able to do me a favour. Barney Ronne wrote a piece about James Milner um, saying that here he played in front of the defence, occupied the centre ground, passed the ball forward. A player's gone from part-time false nine in his Man City days to the footballing equivalent of the muddy pair of wellies Klopp keeps in the boot of his car for moments like these. In the first half alone, he completed 97% of his 54 passes, had two shots at goal, made four interceptions. He never at any stage looked like a man losing a football so, match. So is, is Barney saying he's not so much a Ferrari in the garage as a muddy pair of Wellington... <laughs> Wellington boots in the boot of the Ferrari in the garage. <laughs> yeah, it takes Firmino out, who is the Ferrari, opens the boot, and there's James Milner sitting in it. But, you know, you need those wellies, don't you, Katie? Yeah, you absolutely do. And he's he's such a fantastic player for, for Liverpool Football Club. He's always there when you need him. He, he comes on and you always know what you're going to get as well. You know, those muddy welly boots, maybe. But, uh, but I just want to make a quick point about Minamino because... I thought it was an important goal to settle the nervy start. I thought it was a good finish too. And I also don't know about you guys, but I think that, I don't know, he never celebrates when he scores. It's always so composed. And I used to play hockey for England and I used to absolutely go bonkers whenever a goal went in and charged the... Sorry, hang on. Sorry, sorry. Hang on a second. Did we know this, Barry? Did you know this? I knew this, yes. Yeah, yeah. Kayser used to play hockey for England and had to retire because of a serious head injury. Yes, well done, Barry. Right. Yeah. How can you what... not know this, Max? <laughs> I don't know. It's like basic due diligence. <laughs> I just don't know. You know, uh, Sean Curley and who was the other Jane one who scored Six Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and who was the guy who came on for short corners? Callum Giles. And my hockey knowledge is <laughs> is is not amazing, right? <laughs> who else scored in Seoul '88? Not Enoch Shawumni. He was a centre forward who played for Luton. Oh, I forget now. It's, it's absolutely bugging me. So my apologies, Casey. Anyway, you were, you were saying when you scored for England, <laughs> what, did you go completely wild or were you as cool as so, Minamino? Um, I was definitely not as cool as Minamino, but uh, just to 
just to let you know so yeah so I played uh five years for England hockey and then had to retire due to a big head injury so um that's my that's my little that's my little bit but yeah so when I used to score I used to play striker for England and just used to charge to the nearest person next to me so I used to completely get wrapped up in this in the whole kind of celebration but Minamino it just seems so composed together like nothing's happened well i i think casey that might is it because he was on loan at southampton so it was like a non-celebration oh, yeah, that's celebration no, that's out of i've seen him do it before i've never seen him go nuts mm. after a goal do we think not celebrating at a club that took you on loan just for a little bit just to fill a gap <laughs> is acceptable behavior or should he have gone absolutely wild and more importantly Katie how long does it take to perfect getting good at hitting it with the reverse <laughs> stick because that's when I really said come on this basically right hockey was the one bloke at the back who had golf lessons would hit it as hard as he could and then it would just hit other people's sticks and occasionally go in that, that is the is... hardest skill Max so well, you basically have to get really really low and loads of people scuff it and it goes in the air and actually that's how my accident happened a girl was on the reverse and just scuffed the ball and uh, it hit the blade side of the stick and flew in between my eyebrows and obviously a hockey ball is harder than a cricket ball smashed in between uh, my eyebrows I collapsed dropped to the floor lift my head and blood was pouring out my head like a tap everyone screamed ran away which was really helpful <laughs> and I was rushed to hospital and had to have plastic surgery all around um, my head to stitch up what was an extremely deep wound, and then had to have spinal reconstruction for six months oh. and effectively put all of my spine back together because the impact was so hard it knocked all my spine out. So you're right now. And then yeah, had concussion for ages, couldn't go to work. And unfortunately, I've never picked up a hockey stick since. And I was playing for England and everything. So after all of that trauma, literally, I think it was yeah. a couple of years later, um, it was the FAV, um, some of the members of the media, <laughs> someone was booting up a, from a goal kick and it was going so high in the air. And I remember everyone was like, header it, header it. And I was like, no way am I heading this ball after what I've experienced in my career and uh, I chest it and it just flew and everyone just gave me absolute shit for it. Without wanting to sort of delve, you know, sort of turn this into the, the, the psychologist couch, how, how did you find sort of, you know, not being able to pursue your dream and, and focus on something difficult and, and how difficult has that journey been? Uh, it has been hard. I think uh, watching the girls win gold in Rio because I was part of the Rio development squad. So that was kind of the, the, the journey I was kind of on. But ultimately, at the same time, I was also just kind of on the career with media and I was working at Chelsea and I was really enjoying that. So I think when it happened, I kind of came to terms with it. And also it's like a car accident. You I would have gone back into the game and with hockey, you really have to commit. You have to. And I was a striker, which dived all over the pitch. I'd be that that last kind of deflected shot into the top corner. Um, and you really have to put your body in the line. And I, I, I remember my players because I played in the Premiership. I won the Premiership. I, I went to the Euros, got, got loads of medals for England, travelled the world, went and played, got a scholarship in America for North Carolina and also was paid to play on Australia. So I've certainly had, I thought, right, I've got have had a great career. I can look back mm. on it with fond memories. I'm now pursuing a career in media and the accident happened. And I think if I'd gone back to it straight away, I would have, potentially continued but I left it too long and even now I think if I went back and played I get flashbacks like you would in a car accident 
And I think with hockey, sure. you need to fully commit if you're going to go back. And do you, and, and less importantly, um, you know, given what we saw yesterday with the penalty shootout, would you would you favour the hockey style penalty shootout, the one they had in MLS about thirty years ago? You know, the, you have a one on one. Yeah, I think the one on one because you've also got a timer, so you've got to do it within a certain time. So that adds jeopardy to the situation as well. I think I prefer that because anything can happen, and and I think like we saw in the you know when uh, GB won gold in Rio, the drama. That, that unfolded that night I think I would like to see football potentially take that back that, that would be quite cool I I was in Rio for those Olympics and I had to cover the fucking biathlon no it was the modern pentathlon and the hockey final was on about I don't know 100 metres away in an adjacent stadium and I could hear the noise and it sounded like the greatest sporting event of all time. And I was stuck watching this shite <laughs> <laughs> that I had to report on for some reason. I was raging. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we should probably just uh, uh, yeah. go back to uh, <laughs> go back to the script. Um, do do does anybody see Stephen Gerrard doing Liverpool a fight? I mean, in 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 narrative terms. It would be pretty special, Baz, wouldn't it? Man City on 90 points, Liverpool on 89. So really, if Villa hold Man City, then you never know, right? It, it is not inconceivable that Aston Villa could draw with or beat Manchester City. It It's possible. And Liverpool have to cling to that hope that Villa will do them. It's unlikely, but it is a live possibility. There'd be something sort of incredible about it meanwhile um we barry and i have discussed this but katie do you do you give arsenal any hope tottenham two points ahead they go to norwich so really they need to lose to norwich um every spurs fan thinks this is entirely plausible what do you think well it'd be unbelievably spursy if they do manage to do that i've been to norwich uh, for the couple past couple of weeks and they're unbelievably optimistic uh bearing in mind they know their fate they've got nothing to play for so I think it's highly, highly unlikely. Um, and I think Euro- um, Arsenal are heading for Europa League. I think that's... I love the idea that I love the idea that Norwich are optimistic because no one told them really they, they, are, they are relegated. There's, there's nothing they can do. Uh, there are games tonight in, in the, the, the fight to stay up. Burnley go to Villa. Everton hosts Crystal Palace. Chelsea play Leicester in a game that doesn't really mean much. So I guess, Baz, like Everton can, if they win, beat Palace tonight... They are in the Premier League next season. Is that a foregone conclusion? I I would be surprised if they get relegated at this stage, and it's they've they've had a big fright this season, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Frank Lampard gets, does next season. I suspect he won't do particularly well, but we shall see. Yeah, you see, I don't think it's. I don't think it's cut and dry that they beat Palace tonight, Katie. Um, I think I think there's a lot on the line. I can see what you mean. Yeah, I, d- I don't know. Crystal Palace, they've been brilliant this season, haven't they? Patrick Vieira brought a fantastic style of football uh, to Palace. But I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough game. But they know that if they win that, then they've secured safety, haven't they? Frank Lampard, I think, has shown really good character with the players. He's never given up. He's pushed them all away. And I remember speaking to him after Crystal Palace in the FA Cup after they got knocked out and he was absolutely devastated and 
obviously spoke about that after and kind of lay on thick for what the players need to do going forwards. And they've really shown that they pushed all the way, but I think they're going to have to put in a big, big performance because, yeah, it's not going to be easy against Palace. So if Burnley win, then it's uh, in their hands. Uh, if they lose, then it's in Leeds' hands. They go to Brentford Leeds on Sunday. Uh, Everton go to Arsenal if they're still in the mix. And Burnley host Newcastle. That'll do for part two. Part three, uh, we'll speak about Nottingham Forest getting through to the playoff final uh, and any other business too. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. So Nottingham Forest uh, will play Huddersfield in the playoff final. They lost to Sheffield United on the night. Uh, uh, it went to penalties. They won 3-2 on penalties. Bryce Samba, their hero, uh, made some brilliant saves during this match. But, I mean, it was a brilliant game, this Barry. It was sort of like basketball. By the end, extra time, it was just like chance at one end, chance at the other. And, and you know, there were just so many moments where you were like, ah. Oh, there were sort of so many like Gazza and Euro 96 moments for both teams, <laughs> I thought. I just sort of couldn't keep up. Yeah, uh, very entertaining. Bryce Samba had the game of his life and his uh, his save from um, Gibbs White at the end with his, with his, I think he stuck out a left foot, did a sort of star jump. That was very like uh, the Ryan Kent uh, miss for Rangers. I, I have to say, I, I don't particularly have skin in the game, but I, I really would like to see Nottingham Forest back in the Premier League, and I'm I'm glad they won this. But uh, it was a very brave performance by Sheffield United, I thought. Um, I thought it was a fantastic game, and I've covered Nottingham Forest a lot this season, and I, I, I'm the same as Barry. I'd love to see them in the Premier League. I think Steve Cooper's done a great job, you know, taking them from the bottom of the Championship when they only had four points from eight games. So now knocking on the door of the Premier League, first return in 23 years. And Steve Cooper, he's very humble. He doesn't like the spotlight on him at all. But actually a lot of this season's been down to him. He's He always says it's a team effort and praises the fans a lot. And the atmosphere at the city ground is one of the best in the country. They've made it a fortress. It's great for the fans. But I'll tell you what, guys, it's absolute nightmare for post-match interviews. It's so loud because the fans are bouncing on their chairs singing, I just can't get enough. You can't hear anything. The players can't hear you. You can't hear the players. And it's going out on national television. And you're both looking at each other like, what earth is going on? But um, yeah, they've made it a fortress. It's a fantastic story for Forrest. Big fan base, excellent manager, exciting young talents too. You know, it'd be interesting to see what happens to Brennan Johnson and Jed Spence. And also, yeah, a man for the big occasion, Brees Samba. Uh, in the final, he's definitely going to live up to the occasion. And, you know, if Huddersfield Forest goes to penalty, then you'd really think that he would thrive off that energy at Wembley. We do have to talk about the assault on Billy Sharp. Uh, police have arrested a man uh, after Sharp was um, headbutted at the end of the game. Um, the, the footage is actually pretty shocking, isn't it? Um, uh, because 
Not that a headbutt is nice when someone's expecting it, but it just comes out of nowhere. Billy Sharp said, one mindless idiot ruined what was an unbelievable night of football. Congratulations to Nottingham Forest on their victory. Good luck at the final as an ex-Forest player. I will not let one scumbag ruin my respect for the Forest fans. Incredibly proud to captain this group of Sheffield United players. They gave their all, can hold their heads up high. Um, the FA said, we're aware of a very serious incident that took place. Uh, we'll be investigating it as a matter of urgency. Uh, we'll be working alongside the clubs and relevant authorities to ensure appropriate steps are taken. Um, uh, Nottinghamshire Police said a 31-year-old has been arrested on suspicion of assault in connection with this incident. He remains in custody, will be questioned by officers. And actually, Katie, you know, I am very, whether I should be or not, pro-happy pitch invasions, right? I've been in them. They're really fun. They're nice. At no point have I wanted to run up and, you know, go near an opposition player. I don't really necessarily want to go up to my own players. I'm just excited because... Cambridge United have won something that matters, which is which is very rare. And, you know, the commentators always say you don't want to say scenes like this, but I do want to see scenes like that. But perhaps I can't have that, you know? Like, it's one of those one person's made a mistake, so you all have to stay in after school type thing. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I love a pitch invasion. Uh, I've got caught up in two in the last couple of weeks uh forest green when they won the league two title was pretty tame there was also no trophy which didn't help uh but exeter city i remember going down for the post-match interviews and got well first of all absolutely soaked with champagne they they saw the sky sports mic and absolutely went for me but then towards the end of the post-match interview uh the police started shouting at me and they were like katie we can't hold them much longer and I turn around and they are literally holding thousands of fans because they're about to charge straight into the stands. And I remember finishing the interview and then they were just like, you've got to run. And then I just charged to my car and I no sign of the cameraman. We didn't even say goodbye. It was all very chaotic. And I remember seeing a clip after the Forest Sheffield United game. I don't know if you guys saw this um, of the linesman literally running. There must have been about a minute before the final whistle and he just charged towards the tunnel. So I feel as though because of what's happened recently, there is a sense maybe for the players, the refs and even broadcasters that things can get out of hand and you need to just get to safety quite quickly. So as much as we all love pitch invasions, I've loved being part of them. There is that element of let's make sure this doesn't go too far as well. Can you sanitise it, you know, without the sort of organic beauty of it, if that's the right word, Baz, where you say, Listen, you can invade the pitch, but let the opposition get off, let the officials get off, and then the pitch is all yours. That kind of defeats the whole purpose of having a pitch invasion, you know, if you have to <laughs> yeah, that's, carefully that's choreograph <laughs> at a certain that's time. A pitch. It's just an, inv- it's an invitation, isn't it, yeah. then, really? Yeah. It's more of a garden party so. than a pitch invasion. <laughs> it's, yeah, bring sandwiches. Um, anyway, hope Billy Sharp is all right. He's a good bloke, and uh, it was pretty disgusting what happened. Um, and finally, uh, Chris Stapps writes, uh, Morning Potters, I just wanted to write to confirm that if you get your teeth knocked out and put them back in, they can, brackets, will take root and you'll be fine. When I was 13 years old, I suffered an embarrassingly bad injury while messing around before a football training session. And my four front teeth were knocked out. This being America and I being middle class, I was of course wearing dental braces which in this case kept my teeth from being lost or swallowed. I was rushed to the dentist. He put the teeth back in place, refitted the braces. Everything turned out fine and my teeth continue to be healthy today. Unfortunately, I also broke a kneecap in the incident. Poor, that's a bad. 
before the game, blimey, which effectively ended my football career and meant I never had the chance to go on to become a big, ugly centre-back at some terrible MLS club. Um, thank you very much, Chris Epps. And this from Louis, who says, Hello, on the subject of broken teeth, I was on the receiving end of an angry elbow at indoor pickup football in 2009 in Kodiak City on Kodiak Island in Alaska. The gentleman had had enough of me getting the ball off him as I was a sprightly quick 22-year-old and hit me with enough force to snap one of my front teeth in half. Luckily, we played with a doctor who told me to stick it in my coat pocket and then milk when I got home. I continued to play and proceeded to defend the elbow thrower into oblivion and used every chance I could to volley the ball at him as he did not apologise. Once home, it hurt like hell. It hurt constantly. It hurt to drink anything, hurt to eat. It just hurt. This happened to me on a Thursday. My dentist told me they couldn't do anything until Monday. So my tooth sat in a cup of milk in the fridge until then. And I went to my reporting job at the local newspaper on Friday and shocked everybody with my new smile. Anyway, since the pod crew was wondering if that would hurt, it indeed hurts and can lead to more dental work years later. Great times, broken tooth and all. Keep up the good work. Uh, Louis Livingston Garcia. Um, so uh, thanks, Louis. I, I would have stopped playing, Barry. I don't know about you. Oh, absolutely. I, gone... yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd you just are... quit like Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you quitter, Katie. Um, uh, anyway, that'll do for today's pod. Thank you very much, Barry. You're very welcome. Uh, thank you, Katie. Thank you. Um, if you are looking for another Guardian podcast to listen to, and who isn't, Comfort Eating with Grace Dent returned this week for its third season. Celebrity guests will throw the cupboard doors wide open on the comfort foods that have seen them through their lives. Guests include James May, Big Zoo, Self Esteem, and many more. I know who one of those people is. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And it's going live for the first time, 25th of May, 7pm in Islington. Special guest is entrepreneur, podcaster, TV personality, Jamie Lang, best known from his time as a regular on Made in Chelsea. Well, no, I, I'm just thinking, you didn't know about Katie's previous as an elite athlete, and you don't mm -hmm. know any, or you only know one of those grey stent Yes, yeah. it's it's almost like living on the other side of the world, Max. You you're losing touch. Oh no, am I not part? Of I I know all anymore? those people. I know who all those people are, and I knew. Fuck about off, do you? Previous. Do you know who self esteem is? She's a singer, a very good one. Big Zoo is a TV presenter and YouTube influencer. Wow, finger on the pulse, Barry. Mm. James May is Jeremy Clarkson's body, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. That, that was the one I knew. That's a sad, sad, isn't it? Well, listen, you know, we bring different things to this podcast, Barry. I'm the one that keeps it on the straight and narrow. You're the one with his finger on the pulse of popular culture. <laughs> long met, long met, continue. Uh, book your tickets, by the way, for that show at gigsandtours.com. Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Max Sanderson. This is The Guardian.